text for the message this morning is Leviticus chapter 2 and Leviticus 6 verses 14 to 23. Those are the verses in Leviticus that speak about the grain offerings. Last time I was here we looked at the burnt offerings, chapter 1, and also the first part of chapter 6. And now we look at the next offering the Lord commanded in Leviticus. We'll read about that. It's on page 81 in the Pew Bible. Children, as you're listening, you can think of the different ways that the flour and the oil could be presented to the Lord. There's four or five different ways, and as you're reading, you could try pick them out. Hear the Lord, word of the Lord. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. And he shall take from it a handful of, fine, of the fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense. And the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offerings shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord, and when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, but the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons it is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt, you shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed new grain. And you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. And the priest shall burn as its memorial portion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. And he goes on to speak of some other offerings. And then in chapter 6, the Lord returns to the instruction concerning the grain offering. Verse 14, page 84. And this is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord in front of the altar. And one shall take from it a handful of the fine flour of the grain offering and its oil and all the frankincense that is on the grain offering and burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of it Aaron and his son shall eat. 
It shall be eaten unleavened in a holy place. The court of the tent of meeting, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my food offerings. It is a most holy, it is a thing most holy, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. Every male among the children of Aaron may eat of it as decreed forever throughout your generations from the Lord's food offerings. Whatever touches them shall become holy. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering that Aaron and his son shall offer to the Lord on the day when he is anointed, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a regular grain offering, half of it in the morning and half in the evening. It shall be made with oil on a griddle. You shall bring it well mixed in baked pieces like a grain offering and offer it for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The priest from among Aaron's sons who is anointed to succeed him shall offer it to the Lord as decreed forever. The whole of it shall be burned. Every grain offering of a priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you pray when you eat your meals? Children, you can think of that when you come together at the table. Mom calls breakfast time or supper time. And you come, do you, do you pray at that time? What do you pray for? Why do, you, why do you pray? Well, that Thanksgiving prayer offered to God in Christ Jesus in our day is the New Testament equivalent of the grain offering presented to God in the Old Testament through the priests. The law of God about the grain offering in the Old Testament served as a teacher, as a tutor, that led God's people through the proper steps to acceptable thanksgiving. And whether it was given as a voluntary offering like we read about in chapter 2, or as a prescribed offering like we read about in chapter 6, every morning and every evening, the grain offering taught God's people to show thankfulness for the fruit of their labor by consecrating their bread to the Lord. The only problem was that sin hindered every grain offering so that rather than lead them to life, the law concerning the grain offering was like a bright light in their lives that only showed them how they failed in their thanksgiving, how they actually deserved wrath even for their failure in showing thanks to God. As fallen sinners, we cannot even offer proper thankfulness to God without that selfishness rearing its ugly head. And that is why we can be so thankful and why we celebrate today that Jesus Christ fulfilled the grain offering. The law condemns us by showing us what's lacking in our thankfulness, but the gospel announces that Jesus Christ fulfilled what we fallen sinners are unable to do. And so his work stands between the Old Testament grain offering and the New Testament thanksgiving prayers at our, at our mealtimes. And the gospel I proclaim to you today is that we don't need to offer the grain offering today in order to be saved. 
But if we are in Christ, God who sent his son to be the perfect thankfulness for us, he makes us want to. We don't have to keep the law to be saved, but if we are in Christ, we will want to, to express the principles of thanksgiving that God commanded and taught in the grain offering. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, Christ fulfilled the grain offering with his perfect thankfulness. He consecrated the ordinary. He is the way to peace with God. He gives you food that endures. You can look at chapter 2 of Leviticus. We just read it together. I won't repeat all that was mentioned in, in that passage. But when you look at these instructions concerning the grain offering, the Lord makes it very clear that the offering consisted of, of daily ordinary food. Our daily ordinary food is a gift of God that belongs to Him. The grain offering made use of common ingredients used to make a simple bread that is said to have been a regular part of the Israelites' meals. And although it could present, be, be presented in different forms and the children who are paying attention, we were reading the scriptures, they can tell you all the different ways. It could be uncooked, it could be baked in a loaf, or in a wafer form, it could be fried on a, on a griddle, it could be cooked in a pan, it could be roasted grain. The grain offering in all these different forms was still just flour and oil that were easily accessible to God's people when they were in the promised land. And that's the point of the grain offering. It taught the people of God that they depended on God for everything life and breath and everything else, says Paul in Acts 17, verse 25. And that even those ordinary things that we may not even notice during the day that are necessary for our survival, they're gifts that God has given to his people. The commands concerning the grain offering made the, the people of God look at the common ingredients of flour and oil in a whole new light. The first part of our thankfulness is recognizing that everything we have is a gift of God and then saying thank you to him for the daily provisions. We often take them for granted, don't we? We thank him for rescues. We thank him for healings. We praise him for new life, babies born. We praise him for those prom promotions or we thank him when we, when we travel on a big trip. We thank him for safe travels. But what about that piece of toast for breakfast? How about the safe travel, the 10 minute drive to work or to school or to the grocery store? How about that sandwich for lunch? Same thing every day, peanut butter and jam, but there it is. How about that rice or potato or pasta for supper? The grain offering directs our attention to those ordinary things. The law says that if we just treat them as fuel for our day that we're entitled to receive, we, we fail to show thankfulness. When you look at the Gospels, you see that whenever the Lord Jesus was hosting a meal, he always first gave thanks to God for the bread 
that he had received. Jesus did not keep God at arm's length from his dining table. Jesus did not separate his vocation from his, his worship before miraculously distributing the bread that he had received to, to thousands of followers, Matthew, Mark, and John, they record that Jesus first give thank, gave thanks. Again, when he celebrated the Passover with his disciples, Jesus gave thanks to God after receiving the bread and the cup. Although he was the Son of God, he was able to turn stones into bread if he was hungry, Jesus did this to fulfill all righteousness. Also that righteousness commanded by God in the grain offering. He gave thanks to God for giving the food that he received. He did that for us and in our place. And now the Holy Spirit works that same attitude in the hearts of everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. He makes us want to give, give thanks for every morsel of food that we receive. You, you feel that right now as you're thinking about it, don't you? you? You want to praise him for that little crumb of food that you have. And not just the food on the plate in front of us, but for all the physical blessings that the Lord has given to us. You see, the grain offering was a symbolic part of the whole. Offered to God, it, it represented all the fruit of all their labor. And this becomes clear when we look at the instructions the Lord gave to the priests, chapter 6, especially verse 23. The priests, representing the people, had to offer up the whole grain offering in smoke on the altar, and not just a memorial por portion like the rest of the people. And the priest did this on behalf of the people to make it very clear that when they came to the Lord with their thanksgiving or with their grain offering, they weren't just saying, well, Lord, here's 10% of my earnings. You could do with it what you want, and the rest is for me and my plans. The grain offering taught the people that the Lord wanted them to be faithful stewards of, of everything that they had. They were to consecrate all their ordinary food and all the fruits of all their labor to God and his kingdom just as they were doing with that por portion they were giving to the priests. Well, that can be hard, can't it? A lot of us Young people, summertime, we're working hard. Finally, it seems we're getting a little money of our own. Our bank accounts, we think. We're so busy saving up for things for ourselves. Uh, we like that 10% rule kind of quite a bit. And the grain offering shows us that actually every penny, when you use them still, Every morsel of bread, every tank of gas is for the glory of God's kingdom. That was in line with the Lord's Prayer, where the request for daily bread follows the prayer that God's will be done in His kingdom. The Lord Jesus was, was showing us the desire of a redeemed child of God. 
thank the Lord for his, the ordinary daily bread that he has allowed for us to hold in our hands as stewards. And so it's fitting that that portion that stood for everything was to be carefully and, and lovingly prepared. The Lord wanted them, and as they were offering their grain offerings, to be very deliberate in their preparation of that offering. They had to do the extra grinding to produce a fine flour. Not the kind they might eat in a hurry at home when they just needed a bite to eat, but, but thinking in terms of, of guests or thinking making bread fit for a king. When the harvest was collected, the Lord said, the first fruits of fresh ears, those are the ones that belong in the grain offering. Leviticus 2, verses 14 and 15. He did not want his people to just go through the motions, to toss over some leftover scraps to the Lord, keep him happy, but he wanted them to understand that they were holding out their daily bread to the king of the universe who gave them life and breath and everything else. And to show this in the character of the offering they brought. And the Lord emphasized how special and necessary this gift was. He called it a holy offering. That part of thankfulness was as holy, as special as atonement. Verse 17, chapter 6, it's as holy as the, the sin offering and, and the guilt offering, that, that bread. But we often separate the fruit of our labor, our daily bread, the strength of our bodies, from faith, from worship, it before God. But Jesus recognized the holiness of the gifts that are necessary for our bodies and our souls. And so he placed that request for daily bread right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. That's where it belongs. Service to the kingdom. Our daily bread on our tables, like every gift we receive from God, is to be seen as a holy offering on an altar to the Lord. So when we thank God for it, we are not thanking him for bread that is ours, but we are thanking him for bread that is his. And like Christ Jesus, we want to consecrate the ordinary. And so we pray that, that God will help us to use everything we have to fulfill our creation mandate in our families, in our work, in our worship, so that we may always walk in a relationship of peace with God. The Lord revealed that he loves to walk in a peaceful relationship with his covenant people. That's why he gave this commandment. He, he loves it when his people are living before him in, in thanksgiving. And he showed this especially when he commanded them to give a memorial portion of the grain offering to the Lord. We read about that. And you can see it in chapter 2 and 5 and 6, a memorial portion. The word memorial indicates that that part of the offering was supposed to cause someone to remember. The psalms that are dedicated to the memorial offering, Psalms 38 and 70, you can see it right in the title of the psalms, they indicate that the memorial offering was a plea on the part of the worshiper that God 
might remember them, even when they were sinful. And then in another place, in Exodus 13 and Joshua 4, when they built memorials, those memorials were given to help the people remember the Lord. It goes both ways. Remember the covenant. Help us to, to remember your faithfulness. The memorial portion was to promote peace between God and his people. And the peace was especially pointed to in this memorial portion, the instruction concerning that in Leviticus 2, in the incense part. The bitter, the, the incense would be burned up as a sweet-smelling uh, savor. It would remind the people, it would remind them of the peace. Sometimes we even do that today when we just want to relax. I, I've heard of it, I don't do it, but you sit in a living room and you can light some sweet-smelling sticks that have smells, and it, and it brings peace to your soul. That, that idea of incense, promoting that feeling of, of peace was also seen in the memorial portion. And they had to burn it all up. It wasn't given to the priests to eat, and it was a bitter-tasting substance. But it was meant to point to the pleasing aroma of thankfulness before the Lord. It was to remind them of the peace that is possible between us and God of the covenant, anticipating Jesus Christ, who obtained that peace for us, the great mediator who stands between God and his people to bring us that peace. And that's why there's a close connection between the memorial portion that was burned up with the incense and the work of the priests who were making that peace possible by presenting these offerings on the altar before the Lord. When God gave the command to offer grain offerings, the Old Testament priests were depending on the grain offerings for food so that they could do their work, so that the peace could continue. Both Leviticus 2 and chapter 6, they explained that the handful, after the handful for the memorial portion was removed with all the incense, the rest of the offering was given to, the, to serve the ordained priests as food. This was such a holy offering that it could only be eaten in the holy court of the tent of meeting by the male children of Aaron. We read about that in chapter 6. The Lord says, Whatever touches the, the offering shall become holy. To make it clear that the food of the grain offering was only given to those who had sanctified themselves to this most important work of, of mediation, being mediators between God and his people. The Lord was protecting that way to peace with the grain offering. The very salvation of God's people depended on their desire to have peace with God. Their very desire to share their food with these priests. Imagine, imagine if your peace with God depended even a, a little bit on, on your faithfulness and feeding and caring for your mediator. And so the law shows us the imperfection of our thankfulness, our, our lack, luster, interest in living in peace with God. 
the law convicts us. What a blessing it is to know then that Jesus Christ is a priest, a mediator. Hebrews 7 says, with an indestructible life. He does not depend on our gifts to do his work. Jesus makes the feeding of priests through the grain offering obsolete. The mortal human mediators who were dependent on the generosity of the the people of God, they were replaced by the mediator, the great high priest, Jesus Christ. The way to God's dwelling place no longer depends on our willingness and our ability to feed the priests because God opened the way to peace with him once and for all in Jesus Christ. And in that contrast, the Lord declares the beauty, the glory of the work of Jesus Christ. It's it's there for all. He calls you to come to him through the living way. At the same time, just because God doesn't need our gifts to fulfill that work of salvation, this doesn't mean that there's no longer any way that we can use our gifts to serve in his kingdom. In fact, it's the other way around. Seeing that we have this free gift of grace in the mediation of Jesus Christ, we, we want to give even more. God's kingdom continues to advance. The body of King Jesus Christ, his church, continues to send out his ambassadors to proclaim that free gift of salvation from God from God's punishment against sin we read about that in Romans chapter 5 and as the spirit leads us in our eager desire to use our the gifts that God entrusted to us for the proclamation of the gospel he tells us in 1 Corinthians 9 that we can use God's commands concerning the support of the Old Testament priests as an example Even though there's no obligation in the New Testament, we find that the free gift of life in Jesus Christ and the guarantee of our treasure in heaven, they don't make us less compassionate or less generous than those who were commanded to be generous. Rather, they make us even more eager to reflect the grace of God, to, to allow that gospel to be proclaimed throughout the world. And we see it so clearly, right? Our temporary possessions, they don't seem worth comparing with that eternal glory. We soon realize that our spiritual food is much more satisfying than the food we encounter every day on our dining tables. The requirements that the Lord gave concerning the grain offering included the rule that the baked loaves that were offered on the altar had to be presented without mixing in honey or leaven or yeast. It's probably because honey, and the the word for honey here is probably the type of honey that doesn't come from bees, but that was extracted from the dates and figs. This honey and, and this leaven, they were agents of fermentation, decomposition. It would give a wrong picture of the the enduring nature of God's covenant. He wanted them to think of of an everlasting covenant together. 
even as they were offering up their bread. And so rather than add these ingredients that could cause fermentation, God's people were commanded to add the preserving agent of salt, the salt of the covenant, which stand as a symbol of God's enduring commitment to the covenant. We read that as we came in. Maybe you saw that displayed on the wall, Psalm 111, verse 5. We sang it together. The Lord provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The two belong together. Also in this way, the grain offering pointed ahead to Jesus Christ, who announced that he was the bread of life that would never perish. The gospel message for the church today is that we don't need to look to a special salted, unleavened bread to be assured of God's enduring faithfulness. We don't need to just look to the symbol, but we can look to the Son, Jesus Christ. The bread of the presence in the tabernacle that was a sign of the presence of God among his people, you can read about that in Leviticus 24, has been replaced by the Son of God himself. Like manna in the desert, our Lord Jesus says in John 6, he is the bread of God that came down from heaven. And so we have much more than the bread on the table and all the other physical fruits of our labor. So brothers and sisters, it's a warning and a reminder not to, to serve, to worship your dining tables filled with food. Or in other words, don't make an idol of your work, of your temporary possessions. The Lord Jesus says there are more important things than bank accounts. We can already learn that as young people as we're doing our work this summer. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus to give more importance to loaves of bread than to obeying God, the Lord Jesus quoted his father's words. Man does not live on bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus said to the crowds who were following him, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gives to you. Jesus Christ has granted us the forgiveness of our sins. He has enriched our lives with the promise of eternal life. Let us always keep our eyes focused on him. And so the next time that you sit down to eat, think about the principles of the grain offering as they point to the work of Jesus Christ. Take a look at your daily food. See how they got food on your table, as simple as it can be, as it may be, it's symbolic of, of all those physical blessings behind it, the, the body eating it, the work that brought it, the family around it, the country that you live in. You can go through them all. And then think about Jesus Christ, the bread of life, who is that spiritual food that endures forever. And, and think about the banquet that he has prepared for you in the kingdom of heaven. 
reflecting on these things, the Holy Spirit leads us to speak to God with a prayer that's like a holy offering, a consecration that's revealed in the grain offering. So what does it look like? Well, brothers and sisters, we start, we see the bread, we, we thank him that it's there. It's a gift from him. He's entrusted that ordinary thing into your care. He's entrusted it so that you might consecrate. So ask the Lord, after you thank him for the food, you ask him that he may use these things he's entrusted to you for his glory and his kingdom. Consecrate your gifts to the glory of his name, the furtherance of his kingdom. Express your desire to live in fellowship and peace with God. Also in the way that you use these gifts. And then enjoy your meal. Enjoy your meal. It's a sign of God's love. It's a foretaste of the banquet of the Lord and the kingdom of heaven available to you in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Amen.